You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Pacers fans, happy Thursday. Welcome into a new edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast. As always, I'm one of the hosts of the show, Tony East with the West Indianapolis Community News, and it is Thursday, November 29th, and for most people, I don't know if that's, this has been a day that many have looked forward to, but I have, because Lance Stevenson is playing against the Pacers tonight. Uh, that just sounds so weird to say. It's I think it's happened, yes, four times, five times before this, four times with the Hornets, one time with the Clippers, uh, but very, very weird uh, just to see that Lance Stevenson is going to be playing for the opposing team uh, tonight. So we're going to talk some Lakers. I want to talk about the Corver trade because I think that that actually has a, a sizable, not sizable, a, a decent impact on the Pacers uh, and the league in general because Corver's a good player. Not a decent impact on the league in general. It'll have ripple effects. But anyway, uh, and then I want to talk about TJ Leaf because TJ Leaf hasn't been talked about very much and he needs to be uh, because he has not been very good. So <laughs> we'll start with the Lakers because that's the place to start. They are 11-9 this season, 7th in the West. Uh, for those people that had them winning the, the finals, which were pretty much all Lakers fans. Let me rephrase that. That was all Lakers fans. Um, they are not going to win the West. They are probably closer to not a playoff team than a championship team. They are running real fast. They're 5th in pace. They shoot early in the clock. They are 11th in defense, 19th in offense. And I read a report that Luke Walton is not calling plays anymore when LeBron's in the game. LeBron is calling the plays. So this team is kind of... Helter Skelter, I want to say. Uh, I think you could have guessed that when they signed all the meme team players, but it's hard to really take things from pre. You can take away stuff. They have run a scheme, obviously, but like it's hard to really say what Lakers you're going to get on a given night. You know, they they lost. They had a stretch recently, I think, where they had won eight of ten, and the two losses were the Orlando Magic. Like what? Like how can they not beat Orlando? They got absolutely smoked uh, two nights ago by the Denver Nuggets. Uh, meanwhile, they recently destroyed the Heat on a back-to-back. They destroyed Portland. They destroyed the actually surprisingly good Kings. They beat the Jazz. I mean, they they they're playing fine. You know, they 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 have good wins. They just lose to teams like Orlando twice, and I'm like, okay, I have no idea what to make of this team. Um, starting with LeBron is boring, but it's the thing to do. You know, I don't I don't think anyone had a question that he, he would necessarily not fit or fit anywhere. He's the best player in my opinion, of all time. Sorry to the older people who disagree with me. Um, But it's how people fit around him, and he's been great. 27.6 points per game. Just like, it's like a blip on the radar for LeBron, which is crazy. Um, But even crazier, eight rebounds and seven assists when he's passing to guys who can't really do anything outside of Kyle Kuzma. Um, He's just been incredible. There's there's no words for LeBron's play anymore. Uh, His advanced stats are just off the dang charts. He is the reason they are eleven and nine, and not like four and fourteen or something crazy. Um, I have no idea who they're going to put on him, but you know, you got to remember thinking back to the last year's playoffs that Boyan did an okay job in that one game. Um, that probably means nothing, but regular season LeBron is completely different. Uh, he completely coasts on D and kind of tries on O when it matters and stuff like that, which is still amazing. But um, you can get away with bogey on him the whole game. I guess, and and Bogey could make him work on D by trying and coming off screens and things like that. So there are ways to get over on LeBron James' dominance, um, and that is with a ton of effort. So he's going to go off. He's going to stop everybody. My strategies in my head, I think, when you play LeBron, has to be let LeBron get his shut everybody else down. You know, 
don't intentionally be slow on your rotations because then LeBron will score 45 or 50. Um, but, you know, stunt, blitz, things that, that make him stop and think for one second before you recover um, to try to make other guys have to beat you uh, is what I personally would try to do because outside of Kuzma, who's mostly been a finisher, um, Kuzma was was touted as this great shooter who's going to be awesome off LeBron, 29.4% from three. <laughs> uh, granted, 57.8% inside the arc, so he's been effective in other ways outside of three-point shooting. But Kuzma, Ball... Uh, I don't think Grindel will play, but Kuzma, Ball, Ingram, Hart, uh, JaVale, KCP, Lance, of course, Tyson Chandler, all those guys. Uh, only three of them are shooting well from three-point range, and one of them is Rondo, who is not a good three-point shooter, nor will he be playing. So Josh Hart is one of them, uh, no questions there. And Lance is shooting 38% from three this year. Who knows how that will hold, but I think as Pacers fans, we know the answer is it won't. So make other guys beat you, you know. Make other guys hit threes is is a move, and other and also just make LeBron, um, you know, let let him do his thing. But when other guys have the ball, they're they're going to struggle. So I think you have to live with what you can get. I think the only people I worry about, I'm a big Lonzo guy, just because I think his passing can manipulate what happens. He's always a step ahead. Um, his assists are down. Don't tell me that that makes him a worse passer. He's regressed. It's because LeBron has sunk his usage. You know. Uh, I still think Lonzo's a fantastic passer. He's just playing more off ball this year. Um, and I think he's a good player. And I think, you know, as a secondary guy, if you're going to play the whole let someone else beat you strategy, Lonzo is going to do it because he can penetrate, stop on a dime, dish it to someone else, you know, make the right plays. It's the Lonzo thing. Um, and off misses if Lonzo gets the rebound, just sprint it down the court because he's going to make a sensational outlet pass. He can change the game um, even though he's not a good scorer. And he kind of is this year. He's shooting okay uh, from three. Not really inside the arc at all very well. Uh, so still not really a scorer, I guess. But he's a fantastic defender as well. Um, so he could he could be good on Darren Collison. UCLA on UCLA battle there. Brandon Ingram it, it has, is touted as this potential guy every year. 15.7 points per game. Awesome. Uh, shooting not great. Rebounding not great. Not assisting well this season. He's still really long and can be a better de- – I think he'll end up as a better defensive player than offensive player personally. Um but he's, he's just been okay. I think people thought he'd be better off LeBron, but he hasn't been. His off-the-dribble game is still very shaky. Um, I think Thad is going to have a fun time guarding Brandon Ingram in this game, which will be which will be a joy to see. The Lakers are decently deep, though. Uh, the bench, you know, they, they have Tyson Chandler, Lance Stevenson, KCP, Hart. Um, they have Svi. Svi plays a, a fair bit for them. Uh, and they when Rondo plays, they always have two at least solid ball handlers on the court. Um, again, I, I keep saying Rondo's not going to play. I don't actually know that. Um, but I'm yes, I am correct. Okay, good. Uh, so now between Lonzo and LeBron, one of them will probably be on the court at all times because they need someone to be able to handle the ball uh, on the second units. And I don't know if KCP is necessarily a point guard. Uh, and we know Lance tries to be but is hilarious sometimes. So the second unit is a, is a good time to you know get some steals and rack up some easy points. Uh, this might be a tougher game for Sabonis to do the things that Sabonis is good at just because Tyson Chandler is such a good interior defender. Um, but Chandler, I, Chandler's kind of old school, so he definitely can defend post-ups and stuff, but I feel like he's just a great defender. I guess I'm talking out my butt here, but he's, I feel like he's better at rotating off and shutting down drives than, than actually stopping post-ups, but he's an old school guy. He'll have no problem. Uh, so this could be a tougher game for Sabonis, actually. JaVale McGee, most overrated defender in the NBA. Uh, by a mile. A lot of blocks. I don't care about that. Uh, he's terrible at everything else. 
so if the McGee's on Sabonis, Sabonis could do well. But when um, when when Chandler's in on in the second unit, Sabonis might have trouble. But Chandler is slow, so this could be a good passing game uh, for that second unit too. Um, and off ball defense, I'm not sure is really the hallmark of any of the Stevenson Caldwell Pope Hart trio. So just keeping it moving on the second unit, I think, is a big key in this game. Um, and then on the in the, in the starting in the starting lineup. Uh, JaVale cannot defend in space, so get Miles going at the elbows. That doesn't mean just have him shoot a bunch of long twos or threes or whatever the heck he decides to shoot in this game or whatever they instruct him to shoot. A um, little side blurb, I think people who are like, Miles needs to stop taking this shot, need to add a level of the coach needs to just tell him to stop taking this shot because I hate when players or when people only blame coaches for bad and assign good to players that they like and the vice versa. You know, you have to do both sides of the coin. Anyway, um, whatever miles you get at the elbow um, could be nice if they have him passing a little bit. Just keeping JaVale away from the rim um, will open up passing. Will open up driving lanes, even though JaVale is not really a good rim protector anyway. Uh, it's even easier when no one's there. LeBron's going to play free safety like he always does. He doesn't really guard anybody. They're going to leave Thad wide open all game long. If Thad can find a way to make that not a problem, that'd be great. I'd prefer he just stands around the basket and only does duck-ins. Uh, if they're going to give him space. But he did okay shooting some mid-rangers against the Suns and Jazz, so maybe he'll find a way to get going. Uh, and then for Darren Collison, it's all about just not turning it over against ball's length. Uh, make a three if you're wide open and they give it to you, but just just do the Darren Collison assist to turnover thing. Don't screw up uh, all that. And then going the other way, go right at Kuzma. Kuzma is not a good defender. Um, I don't know who he's going to guard. <laughs> I don't know if he play like, like They have a very strange starting lineup. I kind of think Brandon Ingram plays at two, which makes no sense. Um, and also, I don't know if Vic's going to play. I keep talking like I I know, and I have no idea if Victor Oladipo is going to play. I wonder if the Pacers have practiced yet today. It's only 3.30 uh, where they are right now as I'm recording. So I don't know what, after they travel, they probably are practicing right now, and I don't think they've announced uh, the status for tomorrow's game yet. I'm not sure if Victor Oladipo is going to play or not. Um but Kuzma's the guy to go at. So if Kuzma's on Thad, maybe instead of LeBron, uh, you have Thad just post up Kuzma or set a lot of screens. And if Kuzma's on Bojan, well, you know how that's going to go. Bojan has been awesome this season, uh, and I think he'll have a great game. So a lot of matchups that favor the Pacers, but LeBron is on the Lakers. So tough game. Uh, 10.30 p.m., so good luck staying up. But I will do my best. Uh, Adam's on the recap, thankfully, because he's a central time Um I want to say the Pacers win, but LeBron is – is good and LeBron has proven he can beat the Pacers. Although last regular season the Pacers took three or four from him, um, I'm torn. I'm really torn on deciding who I think is going to win this game because the Lakers are not shallow like like a lot of teams are. Um, they don't have anyone besides LeBron who's necessarily great either, but they are not particularly shallow. I think if Vic plays, the Pacers win, and if Vic doesn't, the Lakers win. I'll just say it's that easy. If the best player on the team plays, then the team will win. Uh, but it should be a fun one. It's always fun to watch Lance. It's always fun to watch LeBron. Uh, and I like the meme team. I have watched a lot of Lakers this year. So, uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, maybe Luke Walton tries to get some of the reins back, too, I, since the report came out today that he's not calling any plays. Um, now I'm going to pivot to talk the Corver trade after a quick break. Uh, Kyle Corver is a sensational basketball player who, if you didn't know, got traded from the Cleveland Cavaliers to the Jazz. So let's take a break. What's up, guys? So I'm going to talk to you about Action Heat again, but this time I'm not going to use the story about my own Christmas sweater, and I'm going to talk more about how great Action Heat is. Um, Action Heat was founded basically to be about climate control for yourself when you're wearing clothes, and that's why they made the battery-heated clothing. 
Um, it's engineered to be safe and efficient. It delivers heat via panels, similar, similar to like a heated car seat. I don't know a ton about how heated car seats work, but I've never had a problem with them, so it sounds great. Uh, they can be up to 135 degrees, which is awesome, um, and it's a great gift for the holidays because everyone's cold in the winter. Um, I'm assuming if you're a Pacers fan, you're around Indiana, where it is freezing under 20 degrees tonight, which was terrible. Um, they can provide warmth for your whole body because they have clothing everywhere. They have men's and women's clothes. They have new styles they just released because it's winter. Um, so it's basically the best thing ever. And battery-powered clothing is, honestly, we need to get there because clothing and technology have not meshed yet, and now it's happening. Of course, Locked On Network gets you a deal because we're the best. You go to actionheat.com slash locked on. You can check out all their new stuff they have for the winter. And if you use the code locked on at checkout, you'll save 20%. So stay warm. Stay toasty while you're doing all your stuff for the Christmas season or whatever holiday. I apologize. That was very ignorant of me. Stay warm and toasty for the holiday season uh, and buy some stuff from Action Heat, battery-powered clothing. It's awesome. Go check it out. So the Utah Jazz, who the Pacers had beat by a combined 60 points in eight days, uh, have traded Alec Burks uh, and two second-round picks for Kyle Clover from the Cavs. I do not think that – did Corver play the first time the Cavs played the Pacers this year? I think he did. I can't remember, though. Um, I'm pulling up his game log as I speak. Unrelated. Anyway, uh, so the the Jazz now have Corver, and they really needed shooting if you watch those games. Uh, they could not get anything, anything going from outside the arc. He did play against the Pacers the first time, um, but he did not hit a three. Anyway. So he is on the Jazz now, and that I think that is a big thing for the Jazz. Uh, they have – like you just saw, been putrid from the outside. They have no threats to space the floor, so everything's kind of clogged up, and it makes it hard for their already poor shot creators to create shots. Uh, this will help a lot with just secondary creators, and you know they can run more creative stuff through other guys that they couldn't do before with Corver on the floor. Uh, and given that they wanted to compete, and they were nine and twelve or whatever they are now, that makes it makes a lot of sense for them to, to take a swing on a guy like Corver who can hit the three really well. Uh, even this year, when you haven't been hearing as much about Corver, 46.3%. Uh, just insane how good he is at hitting the three. He's led the league at three-point percentage four times. He's just insane. One of the times when he was on the Jazz back in 2010. So familiarity in the organization. Uh, and the Cavs gave up uh, Corver for two second-rounders uh, and Alec Burks. And maybe I'm like missing something here. Uh, a lot of Jazz fans love Alec Burks. And I, I think when trades happen... And you see the reactions. If the other team is generally very sad to be losing a guy, that is a good sign. The Cavs should be happy that um, the Jazz fans are sad to be losing Alec Burks. But I was never really impressed with him in these Pacers games. I guess he's been pretty good this year shooting the outside shot. And he's, he's a quality player. He's, he's pretty efficient. And he's good off the dribble. I just didn't think he was as good as, as Jazz fans got excited about. But, I mean, I'm not the one to say I don't watch the Jazz consistently. I will defer to them, obviously. Um, so Alec Burks now on the Cavs. Uh, the Cavs have a, a crowded two-guard rotation full of in, of guys who love shooting off the dribble and creating their own shots, which is very funny and entertaining. I used to like Burks a lot. I don't remember how long ago it was when he played with Trey Burke, but I was like, yeah, that's Alec, Alec Burke guy's pretty good. And they got hurt a bunch. Um, but I think he can help the Cavs. He's better than Jordan Clarkson, that's for dang sure. Uh, and two seconds is a good haul for them. So how does this affect the Pacers? <laughs> Let's get to that. One, Corver's on the Jazz, who the Pacers have already played twice. So lo and behold, they're done playing Corver uh, after Corver held them in the playoffs last year, which was so frustrating. 
it's going to be so nice to not have to play him again for the Pacers. Uh, now J.J. Reddick's the only guy that just bombs off of screens that they really have to deal with. Uh, there's a bunch of great three-point shooters in the NBA, but those are the two that come to mind when I think of completely killing the Pacers. Two, um, you know, when I think of teams that I thought could have traded for Corver before the trade happened, in my head it was like OKC, Milwaukee, and Philly, um, contending teams that, that might need shooting, even the Raptors. Uh, OKC would have been okay. That would have made a lot of sense to me, but it's a good thing for the Pacers that Corver's not in the East. Uh, you know, that, that just means that the contenders, you know, they're, they're, they're still what they are, they, they, but they didn't get better. Uh, they didn't add this guy that really changes their team and makes them substantially better, which is good news, um, especially on the Philly side to me. They could have really used his shooting on the wing in Philly. Um, and even Milwaukee, I think the Raptors less so, but uh, very very good for the team to see that happen. And in in their own division, the Cavs, their long-term outlook is, is substantially better. Um, I mean, they gave up a first for him, but that's a sunk cost at this point. You have to look at it as they got Alec Burks, who's not terrible, um, and actually will probably help them. And I think, <laughs> I don't know what Alec Burks' contract is. I don't know if it's one year left or two. I would like to know now, um, so I can keep talking. But if the Cavs do not trade Kevin Love this year, which I don't think they're going to, um, now they go, oh, okay, he's in an expiring contract, Alec Burks is. Um, never mind. So I was going to say they could be okay next year with, with Burks and Kevin Love and some other guys. But anyway, they will not have Burks. Um, but to get a guy who can kind of help them this year uh, and is a better fit next to Sexton than Jordan Clarkson is, that's good. And they got two seconds, which is good. They improved their long-term outlook, which is not good for the Pacers to see a divisional opponent improve their long-term outlook, especially when one of the picks they got for him was the 2021 Washington Wizards second-round pick. The Wizards might be terrible in 2021. You never know. So that pick could end up being pretty good. Uh, so I'd say the Cavs did a pretty good job given the circumstances. Corver turns 38 in uh, like 100 days, which is pretty wild. So before the season's over, he'll be 38. And he has another year on his deal, I believe, too. Um, I could be. I, I need to learn contracts better before I start talking. I need to look things up. Um, but I think that Kyle Corver. Um, has another year on his deal, so maybe the Jazz want two years of Kyle Korver, which would make it more sensible to trade away two seconds. He does have another year, but it is only partially guaranteed. Anyway, uh, so they don't have to play Korver again. Uh, their conference gets worse. Their division has a better long-term outlook, so that'll just shake up what trades might happen to the contending teams in the East, but I would say good news for the Pacers overall. Don't have to play Korver again. Weakens the conference. Uh, that's all good stuff, so Korver in Utah. The Pacers uh, forced them to do something, which is very, very fascinating, so yeah, let's move on. I want to talk about uh, T.J. Leaf, and I, uh, some of you probably just rolled your eyes or like shut me off, which would make me laugh. But um, I think it's important to talk about T.J. Leaf a lot this year, um, and I know he's been bad, but I want to talk about him. So uh, after the break, it's Leaf time. So yeah, T.J. Leaf. <laughs> uh, he played against the Suns, and I thought that was a very interesting rotational move to have a ten man. Um, but it was a back-to-back, so I get it. They want to they want to give their two centers who are coming off of injuries low minutes. That makes a lot of sense. They can kind of shake up the post-rotation just a tad bit more by having Leaf out there. Uh, and they don't have to play Turner and Sabonis together as much. Uh, Leaf played eight minutes, had two points, one rebound, and a steal, and was plus 13. Woo, look at that. Um, Leaf... <sighs> Has just you know I think last year we we said the wrong things about T.J. Leaf. So T.J. Leaf shot 42.9 percent from three last year. He took 42 threes. He made 18 of them. That is very good. If he made 17 threes, he's a 40 percent shooter. And if he makes 16 threes, he's a 38, maybe even 37 with some good old rounding fun. Nope, 38 percent for a three point shooter. Uh, that's two makes. 
So obviously you can take that the other direction too and say, oh, if he makes two more, he's almost 50%. Yeah, but we, we shouted out he's this great shooter. Like, this was a bona fide fact from his 42 three-point attempts his rookie year. And I think college his college days show us that, that it's likely that that is, you know, maybe not that high, but he's probably an average or better three-point shooter. But we read too much into 43% from three, I think. Um, and and this, I'm blaming myself when I say us, <laughs> or we. Um, you know, we might have read a little too much into that as as Leaf could be effective as an offensive player. And Leaf this year has been worse shooting from three by a lot. He's currently two for ten, um, which is not good at all. He is 13 for 34 from the field. That's 38.2%. That is bad. Last year, Leaf's true shooting percentage was about league average at 54.5%. This year, it is 41.2%, which means every time he shoots, including free throws, uh, TJ Leaf is averaging 8.24, excuse me, 0.824 points per shot attempt. That is terrible. Um, his offensive box plus minus is actually way worse than his defensive box plus minus because I will say I can tell that TJ Leaf has booked up on defense. He's still really slow and has trouble staying in front of guys, but he can kind of, you know, get his elbows up in some guys and stay in front of some people. Like, in defensive Leaf, he looks better on the end of the floor that we really wanted him to look better on, but I think we overstated how effective he might be able to be on offense because he shot 42 three-point attempts last year. Um... And Leaf is a good offensive rebounder. He was last year, too, but I just glossed over it, apparently. Um, But his offensive rebound rate is up this year. So he has been a solid offensive rebounder. That is good. His assist rate is up. His steal rate is up. His block rate is up. You know, a lot of encouraging things have happened for Leaf. But, you know, if we said for him to get playing time, he's going to have to build around this core shooting skill and be the stretch forward the Pacers need. And instead of building around the shooting skill, he's kind of improved in all the other little areas and then just lost his touch completely, and that is terrible. Um, you, we talk about this guy so much, and maybe ad nauseum, because he's probably a sunk pick at this point. Uh, I'd like to give rookies three years, first-round picks especially. This is only year two for Leaf, uh, so obviously I will, I will give him another year. They already picked up his option for next year, so they are also giving him another year. Um, but it's not good right now is my is my starting take because I think those incremental improvements are good, but if the shot's not there, what does, you know, like, he, I, I was about to say something that I don't know if it would have made a lot of sense. Paul George has really good advanced stats because he doesn't do anything bad, um, and he's really good, not elite, but really good at a lot of stuff. TJ Leaf has terrible advanced stats because despite – being really slow, I think his defense has gone from terrible to bad this year. Uh, he's not a, he's like the opposite. He's not terrible at anything, but he's pretty bad at a lot of things. And his his positive skill skills slash skill have been reduced. It looks worse this year. So that is bad. Um, I, the offensive rebounding could be something to build around in theory, but he's got to be able to stretch the floor to be the guy that the Pacers really wanted when they picked him and, and that's not happened at all. So I don't I don't know what to say next uh is the case for Leaf. You know, he he's only pretty much played garbage time recently besides the Suns game, which is what made me think I need to talk more about him. Uh, but in the Jazz he played garbage time, he took an open 3 and he missed the rim, you know, it's it's just this disheartening stuff that makes him seem incredibly ineffective. Uh, and his speed is going to be a problem for a while. If he can get a little faster laterally, I think he might be able to get to passable as a player overall. But, you know, he's 22. It's it's time for that to happen if that's going to happen. And, of course, 
I can't say, oh, his 42 attempts might have been misleading um, and not say his 10 attempts could be very misleading this year as well. If he makes one more of those, it's 30%, which doesn't sound so bad. And if he makes two more, which two is the number I chose for last year, uh, to say if he only made 16, we, we would think differently of him. If he makes two more, he's at 40%, and then we're like, yeah, he's still a good shooter. So obviously, grain of salt on the bad shooting this year and the good shooting last year. Um, uh, 38.5% for his career still. Maybe that's more indicative. I read Dean Oliver's study that says it takes 753 point attempts uh, to get a normal percent to see what a player might be worth shooting. Uh, TJ Leaf's taken 52, so we are not even close. Uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, I, I'm being nitpicky because I think you have to with Leaf. You know, if he had a general thing that you could say, like, yes, he has been really good at blank this year. Then you could then you don't have to be nitpicky. You can just generally say he can improve other skills and build around that. That's what we did last year. Um, but this year, if the shooting is not is truly not as good as as last year would in, in indicate, then you have to start saying, okay, what, what is this guy just a replacement level player? And if so, you know, is it is it worth just giving up on his future and focusing on getting maybe Alize some minutes with the pros or something like that? Or do you keep investing in this guy who could end up being you know a backup stretch four? Uh, that's for the the. The, that was a very loaded statement there, but that's for the front office to decide. Uh, it's been tough sliding for Leaf this year, but that's I just wanted to talk about him. We don't a we haven't talked about him enough, and b uh, I think it's important because you know he was the first the first first round pick of the Oladipo era. So um, maybe he develops into something. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows? Uh, but that's what I got for today. Lakers game is going to be real fun tonight. Adam will be on the recap tomorrow, and I think he's going to talk a little bit of Kings. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Um, But thank you guys for tuning in today. I appreciate it, and have a great rest of your day.